1: Don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome to the PM on this Monday afternoon here on Ausbiz. We're broadcasting live from our Barangaroo studios in Sydney. Great to have your company for the next 60 minutes or so. As we analyze 10 stocks that you want to, uh, you've suggested to us, I put them to uh, two experts and uh, today on the panel, Conrad Song from uh, Macro, Conrad, good to see you. Thanks
0: for having me. Um,
1: How is, uh, how's earnings season going? How would you describe Um, it?
0: it? It's it's good. I mean, I think it's hard to, um, it's hard to not outperform or meet expectations when they're this low, but um, also we're seeing sort of that rapid expansion that we saw over the last couple of months start playing into the numbers, so it's it's quietly, um, you know, quietly confident, yeah.
1: Right, okay, oh, good. Um, also joining us, Tim Haslam from Catapult Wells in Adelaide. Tim, good to have you aboard on this Monday afternoon. How are you guys um, seeing earnings season?
2: Yeah, pretty good. Um, I think, like like Conrad said, very low expectations. But um, from from the stocks that we've been in, pretty good. I think um, by staying in quality, it's had a bit of safety, so it's been been okay.
1: Yeah, okay. All right, let's um, let's get stuck into it. It's the final week, of course, of uh, um, of uh, earnings season. Um, we've got a few of the stragglers coming through, but a busy week ahead of us and. Um, I always choose a stock of the day to have a look at, and um, I thought we'd take a look at Ordinate today. Ordinate, the big sound group, uh, they they reported a a first half loss of $1.2 million, revenue down almost 5%, um, EBITDA down 1.9%. They're not gonna pay an interim dividend, but then you look at the chart of Ordinate over the last 12 months, And um, Conrad, it's still been a pretty good performer. Of course, Ordinate are in, uh, as the name suggests, in the sound business there. It's a technology that's used for a lot of outdoor concerts and a lot of professional sound groups um, and Mm. gear um, recording studios and the like. What do you think of the result Mm. and also the stock?
0: Yeah, so um, the re- results were very much expected because they actually last month came out with unaudited results. It will pretty yeah. much bang in line with that. Yeah. Um, and so you look at the share price today, it's up about 3% now. Um, so we like the stock, we would accumulate on any type of weakness. And, and I guess um, what we're taking away from it is firstly, they, so they're in that audio sort of side of the business, but it's both software and hardware. Yeah. Um, and what you've seen them sort of do is sort of shift. A lot of their business or revenues towards the software um, naturally, as sort of live sound events and things like that are, are taking a hit from COVID. Yep. Um, on top of that, um, if you take a look at sort of their um, you know their market, so they're 17 times um, the market adoption of their closest competitor. On top of that, all these sort of smaller players in the in the industry, um, you know, they're taking you know larger hits. I would say, obviously, just due to the size of the business. Yeah. Um, than someone like Ordinate, So um, they're, they're an industry leader. They're, they're going to cement that even further, I think, as mm. we start to see a shift. And, and I think this is what investors are pricing and So they're going, okay, well, the results are pretty much in line why is it up 3% why are we buying it because the catalyst here is that if we do move out of this COVID environment we start to see that normalization their hardware component which has been sort of struggling although they've t- transitioned a lot of their, their, their business to software it's going to improve right. um, and so it's like, okay they've done well with the software and now when things do get better which we're expecting vaccines are coming out they're rolling out so um, that's that's gonna be a good sign for Auden. And, and and like okay. I said they're, they're leaders at the moment that's only gonna cement even further yeah so well one company,
1: global company, a yeah. bit of a moat because they've got a dominant market share. Mm. So you like the business, it's mm. 863 at the moment. Mm. You're saying on any weakness, you'd look to accumulate. Yeah. What's your definition of weakness?
0: Well, yeah, so there's, there's many ways you can define weakness. I mean, you can run a valuation and say, okay, well, where's the share price or intrinsically compared to the, the current price? But then uh, I think what a lot of investors will sort of, I guess, look to do when it comes to a company that's sort of I guess, trended upwards like this, they're going to use the technical analysis. Um, You are seeing sort of, um, you know, resistance levels being hit now, sort of at the 860 mark, as you saw previously uh, sort of towards the back end of 2020. Um, And so if we do manage to see any pullback from here, from that resistance, that could be a good one. Um, Also, if you put on the overlay of some of the indicators that we like to use at the firm, so any moving averages, um, so the key ones that we use, or any, um, the, the relative strength index. So that's a good one for investors to look out for a kind of, pegs how sort of overbought or oversold they are based on oh, what the yeah. reading is. Oh, yeah. So a couple of things but um, look obviously just So if you know, you're,
1: what would you look if it got closer to eight bucks you'd see From, from a pricing
0: standpoint just looking at it here without any of the technical charting overlay um, you know really you're probably looking at just a bit of a pullback from that resistance level that we're at now. Um, so, you know, you could, you could make an argument for, yeah, that eight-buck mark, which you kind of seeing a little bit of support yep. there. You might see some institutions have some orders there as well, so it really depends on what the, the order book looks like, but yeah, maybe okay. eight bucks, yeah. All
2: right. Uh, Tim, what do you think of Ordnate? Uh, interesting company. It, it looks legit. The uh, Dante platform does look like it's a real disruptor. Um, as um, Conrad said, 17 times to take up um, compared to the competitors of what they're saying. I think they can probably do well in both environments, COVID and post-COVID, with their software and hardware and conferencing. Um, The results were were slightly um, good uh, in terms of their revenue of 14.8 million. Uh, It looks like consensus is they're expecting 30 million for the year, and so that's online. And it looks like profit was slightly ahead uh, of what was expected. Uh, Sorry, the the revenue was slightly ahead of what was expected. So for us, um, it does seem like there's, there's a huge market they could penetrate into. And if they can keep this going, then it could be a good one. Um, the problem is that on a market cap of 630 million with a 30 mil rev, that's a 21 times. So that, that's, that's pretty high. It is being valued like a tech company. So it just depends on if they can keep doing this, if they can keep the growth rate up. So um, plenty of cash, $66 million of cash. Um, the burn rate's not too bad because some of their cash was in TD, so you don't count that. So it looks like a good company. I'd, I'd probably say hold, um, like Conrad said, you buy it on weakness. But yep. it, is, it is looking a little bit expensive. Okay. <coughs> Excuse
1: me, Tim. Just, just following on because uh, Conrad was saying they released unaudited results early, got, got the information into the market. Is that a tick from you? Is that a good thing for companies to do?
2: Yeah, I, I think so. I think, I think it, it, just, it just depends on what the consensus is. And sometimes, you know, if the analyst gets the consensus wrong, well, that's not the company's fault. But it is nice to see that and they, <coughs> that they are on track. So um, I would say that I think I think a lot of investors appreciate it. So I think it's fine. Yeah. But um, I think we understand high Australian dollar way stuff is going to affect that stuff. So a lot of it was priced in. So I think it's right. okay. Okay. All right. Let's get into the uh, the stocks that
1: you've asked us to have a look at. And Tim, Damien wants a view on down at EDI, um, Australia's biggest road builder. Um, it's uh, in uh, transport, utilities, engineering, construction, basically infrastructure, uh, employs 52,000 people. It's massive, isn't it? Across more than 300 sites. What do you think of a downer, particularly as governments plough more more money into infrastructure to,
2: to restart the economy? Look, we generally don't like these engineering services type companies. They're they're generally low quality. The the problem is they they don't really control their revenue very much. And they've got tendering problems. So um, of the three big companies, um, Monodelphius, Wally Parsons and Downer, we'd probably have Downer at the bottom of the list. Mm. Um, Essentially, they are at the mercy of companies like BHP, Rio and Lease, and all these companies. And their revenue stream is like like an HR company. They essentially hire staff when they're needed and fire them when they're not needed. So um, for us, for an engineering services type company, it probably does have price upside from here. So obviously we've got a mining boom, exploration, capital expenditure, earthworks, all that stuff, sort, of, sort of stuff. They'll benefit from. But on a P of 17 times, it's it's probably looking pretty valued, and it's always going to look a bit funny. Um, you know, it doesn't really have many assets so it, it can borrow against, so hence its debt is low. Yeah. Um, but we would say probably avoid. So for us, it's a hold. There is upside on it but it, it's risky. Okay, uh, who's your preference in the sector? Probably um, probably Monadelphias, right. but uh, probably none of them, I would say. Okay, all right.
0: <laughs> um I think Tim, Tim brings up a, a good point there. Um, you know, it's a business that, kind of has a limited ability to control their revenues. But um, so if you take a look at their results, so they beat expectations. Uh, however, they they did have a 10% decline um, in um, their total revenues. And that was from the referrals, uh, sorry, deferrals uh, in the contracts uh, in utilities and facilities sector. Um, so again, COVID related. And, and like Tim mentioned, it's it's obviously very difficult to, to control that. Um, we are, however, seeing that they are, I think, trying to take a little bit more control. So they've shifted now Uh, or transition into the uh, urban services sort of division. Um, And uh, we expect that to sort of, you know, provide less volatility in their cash flows. Um, We're expecting an increase, uh, oh, sorry, expecting an increase in payout ratios uh, from 54% uh, to now 60 to 70%. Um, and they've also got new contracts that they're winning. Their ongoing contracts uh, are doing quite well with options to extend until the end mm. of the decade. Um, and so from a risk management standpoint, it seems like management are making the right decisions, shifting and, and sort of adapting to the market. Um, so yeah, to, for us, we, we actually don't mind it. We would, we would slowly accumulate this one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, so a buy from you mm.
1: at the, these levels. Yeah. All right, thank you for that suggestion, Damien. Uh, now, Conrad, Mark wants a view on Origin. Yep. Now, wow, uh, yep. this is a company, th- but boy, is up against it at the moment. Electricity profits down 250 to $290 million, more than predicted guidance. Uh, natural gra- gas profit uh, down about $200 million as well. Mm. Um, they're saying COVID is effective at uh, weather patterns. Uh, Brought on by La Nina and um, also they're even saying they've got a challenging uh, financial year 2022 ahead of it. Um, This is a company that's been hit by everything, Mm. uh, including the kitchen
0: sink. Yeah, um, the only thing partially offsetting all this hitting is the fact that uh, the low cost of renewables... Um, energy stuff might come online soon. But uh, outside of that, you're right, it's, it's got a lot of challenging things ahead. You know, even over the next two years, management flagged that it's going to be tough. Um, their demand in gas, for example, is down 5 to 10%. Um, they've, so this is the interesting, so the obvious, obviously what they're trying to do is they're trying to maintain dividends so that investors don't just sell the stock. Yeah. Um, targeting 30 to 50% of free cash flow, works to be 12 and 5 cents or 2.8% in a single Divi payment. So it's like, okay, here you have this company that's obviously getting, like you said, you know, absolutely, you know, it's going through a lot right now. Um, And however, it has that dividend. So investors are going to go, okay, well, it pays me a dividend, Conrad, what should I do? Well, our answer to that is look at some alternative dividend plays that are out there uh, in sectors or industries that are not getting absolutely smashed. And mining, for example, Rio and Fortescue, they came out with the results. We pegged them um uh, prior to the reports coming out, we pegged them out to be strong divi plays. Rio pays out six percent, FMG approximately eight percent. That's in one payment. Right. Um, so, in a single payment, they're going to they're going to do a hell of a lot more, I think, than than Origin will on the dividend right. front. And um, you're not sort of facing all these, you know, headwinds um, from an economic standpoint. So, yeah. uh, very much a light from us and reallocate if you do like divis Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah, that that that's the thing. A company might pay a good dividend, but if mm. if the share price keeps getting hammered,
0: well, that's it. Who yeah. cares? You
1: might as well be in a stock that you've got some growth mm. and a decent dividend, yeah, and at they're the same out there. Day, yeah. And they're out there.
2: Okay, um, Tim, what do you think of Origin? Look, I I tried to think of some sort of funny anecdote, but it has, hasn't been very funny for investors at all. Um, absolutely smashed. Uh, we would say it's too late to sell at this point. So, uh, like you said, the, the very weak summer this year has really hurt them. They've got the government bullying them. They're trying to wind back the coal-fired power plants, trying to boost renewables. And that's just really stumping any sort of rallies. that uncertainty and, and the bullying that essentially the government's doing. You've got increased take-up of solar panels, which is also hurting their margins. Um, everything's hitting them at the worst time possible. And and like I said, dividends aren't the be all and end all. It, 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 it does look like it could be a bit of a value trap. For us, we would say, look, avoid this whole sector, but it's a hold, but at some point in time, at some point in time, they've got to hit maximum pain and it's got to be, it's got to be kind of close to that level. So um, right. we would say just be very careful. This, this whole industry has been smashed. Yeah, so,
1: so your rationale is if you're there, you sort of stick with it because you're at the absolute, absolute bottom. Is that right?
2: Yeah, if you've got the time to hold, I would say right. um, it, it would be very—it'd be a tough argument to, to sell at this point in time. But yeah. not neither are we saying buy it either. So right. it, it yeah. probably does have the potential for a bit of a rally, but it, it's not looking good. Okay. All right. Um, thank you for that, Mark.
1: Um, tough time for for Origin all round at the moment, and I can't believe Conrad said the um, uh, the low cost renewables. Mm. Will be coming on soon. It was only what two years ago the federal government <laughs> yeah. was saying, oh, renewables are too expensive; they yeah. um, would never be cheap." And yeah. how wrong they've been proved! Yeah, oh, they—they've they been came, wrong a few times before. Yeah, <laughs> they came to the South Australian government for the yeah. battery, yeah, exactly. the Tesla battery, and now yeah. it's being expanded and it has been yeah. a godsend.
0: Tw- Twiggy's leading the way as well. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've and got, some got the hydrogen
1: area and yeah. the it's a lot. It's very exciting exactly. area. Um, all right, Tim, um, another company that, that's been under a bit of pressure too, but not of its own doing. Uh, Charles wants a blue, a view on Flight Centre uh, amongst the, the worst of the poor f- performers on the ASX 200 last year. Um, share price down 60%. Um, although I noticed Bill Potter um, have sort of earmarked at it, maybe it could be an outperformer in 2021 as we start opening back up again. Uh, what do you think of Flight Centre?
2: For, for a while there, it was looking exciting for a rotation play. Um, yeah. But I think, I think the problem is that the mutated COVID virus has just blown that out of the water. We've seen state governments just being absolutely um, stringent on their border restrictions. And when they capital raised last year, their expectations was that things were going to start to get back to normal by june this year and that yep. just seems very very unlikely um that being said we think their balance sheet is okay they shouldn't need to capital raise but out of the three big players webjet um corporate travel and um, flight center we probably put flight center as the riskiest one yep. that being said there's probably the most price upside webjet doesn't look actually that cheap when you factor in the the capital raise it's already done Um, Sydney airports, 60% of their volumes are domestic travel in New Zealand. So once the domestic stuff comes back, yeah, it it should be okay. But the consensus is that this year, obviously a loss. Um, Next year, a small profit, probably be on a P around 41 um, times in f twenty-two. So there there should be some good news coming down the tracks. Very good management team, they rationalised costs very quickly, they got on that. But those physical leases on their bricks and mortar shops, that's what's really the worry and concern. So for us, it's a hold just because it's not yet. At some point in time, yes, this will be an interesting buy. But for us, just just let's mm. wait six months and see how it goes.
1: Okay, but but you were saying of the three, this is the riskiest. So you would you would rank Webjet and corporate travel above Flight Centre for a reopening play.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think Webjet is just basically a website. So they can retain their margins for the most part, right. and I do believe in the corporate travel argument that the corporate travel will return. People, the people who don't do face-to-face meetings will um, will be basically disadvantaged by the people who do. So it's just that last piece of the puzzle, um, okay. and and the costs associated with it. That, that's just adding a little extra risk. All
1: right, Conrad, what do you think of Flight Centre? Of course. Um Uh, the founder is still very much involved and leading the way re-engineering the business and Mm -hmm. they've closed a huge number of um, store bricks-and-mortar outlets haven't they
0: yeah Um, they need to do more really um, because so so flight centers uh, and so similar rationale that Tim had with the origin one we were a little bit more okay well there's probably alternatives there so we can lighten it but this is the one where it's like okay like you just can't sell here right so it's a hold Um, and if, if you sort of break down sort of what's happened, so 75% decline since COVID, uh, from COVID, and then sort of had a bounce back to sort of roughly about 60% pre COVID yeah. levels. Um, they raised 400 mil, um, and they've used 100 of that to pay off existing debt, and 300 has gone to extending the runway. So that runway actually ends at FY22, uh, end of FY22. So um, you think about that, and, and obviously what Tim said in regards to sort of what the expectations of things opening up are. Okay, well, that's not very long. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the main sort of composition of their business uh, revenue-wise, so it's 49% leisure travel, so, uh, and, and, and 70% of that comes from international travel. So it has to right. be international borders opening. Um, and then the other side is, is the business travel. Now, if you're going unless you've got an exemption granted for you, you can't really use that. So um, that's going to be a concern. Also, just on a side note, um, consumer behavior in terms of people working on Zoom meetings now, um, that's become, a, a I think, a, per, a permanent shift. Um, maybe not you know, aggressively, but marginally, even when things open, I think we're gonna start to see that revenue be hit even moving forward from the commercial side of travel. Um, so we, we bring up WebJet, and WebJet is, um, like Tim mentioned, you know, low, low overheads. Um, so yeah, you know, they don't rent, pay too much rent and, and wages yep. and things like that. Um, and their runway is 60 months. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you've got sort of these, these two businesses that are, you know, sort of prime for that recovery play as it moves, you know, as we do see international travel open up, you know, one day. The question is like, well, how long do we have to wait? Well, flight center doesn't have too long, whereas Webjet, you've got about five years. So. Right. Um, Alpeg's Webjet. Um, but yeah, you, you really, <laughs> you really can't sell here, can you? So, yeah. And, um,
1: yeah. And also, it does depend, like, it's only 12 months since yeah. <laughs> this virus came and we yeah. we know changed all our thinking and mm. we've learnt more along the way mm. it will be fascinating just how quickly vaccines bring back
0: confidence well, and, yeah.
1: and they're being rolled out in the UK really mm-hmm. quickly in the US they're doing a million a week or something in the US
0: and the problem with that is as well is that Global leaders, and Scott Morrison not too long ago was a little blurry on this as well, and yeah. we don't know the levels of vaccines that he wants until international borders are open. Yeah. No one really does. Um, and so that's the kind of concern here, even with the rollout of the vaccines. Like, okay, well, what level? So there's a lot of uncertainty as to when this recovery is going to happen because when international borders are opening, is just really, it's just no yeah. one really knows. So.
1: But look at that, $68 yeah. in what,
0: 2019.
1: doing um, Down to fifteen fifty. Wow. Uh, that's the the damage of you know when we're all doing economics. Yeah, but you would read about these black swan events. Yeah, but geez, we've it. just been through the biggest of the big, haven't we? Right. All right, um, let's move on to uh, a suggestion from Nathan. Nathan, thanks for your uh, suggestion on Net Wealth, Conrad, the big uh, uh, platform trading platform for financial inter- intermediaries and investors to. Um, for administration and training and mm. trade managed funds, superannuation, master funds, the yes. whole like big administration service.
0: Yeah, um, a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of sort of different areas of financial services yeah. that they cover, um, portfolio management and even for the superannuation, on superannuation platforms as well. Um, so just so I guess the audience can get a better understanding of what their revenue model is. So uh, highly driven by the platform business. So platform admin fees make up 57% of the revenues, ancillary fees, so you know the difference between the interest they make and interest that they charge, uh, 33% of their revenues, right. and then they've got management fees and other fees making up about 10%. Uh, so the management coming f- from the superannuation fund options, um, which they get about 10 bips uh, management fee on the funds and the management. So um, that's just sort of un- so investors understand what's going on here. Uh, first half uh, of 2021 results, um, they reported 23% rise. Uh, in revenue and EBITDA growth of 30.1%. So that was due to an increase in, in, in accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, um, it's got a really strong funds under advice pipeline. So for us, it's, uh, you know, we run a financial services intermediary, you know, one of, one of the clients, right, pretty much. Um, so- um, oh, so you use that. No, 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 so we, we would be if we were right. using them, sorry. Right. <laughs> but um, so for businesses like us, it's really sort of clear to know that pipeline is huge. Yeah. Um, understanding you know, what you expect in client accounts moving forward is, is really the important part. What we don't like about the situation with NetWealth at the moment, nothing really in regards to what they've done, um, but if you take a look at the share price, you know, they've had, um, so trading has surged, trading volumes have surged pre-COVID and then post-COVID bullishness has resulted yeah. in more trading as well, more accounts. Um, as we again see that normalizing thematic play out, um, we do expect volumes to decrease on that. That's going to hit their revenues, um, and so in terms of the price that they're trading at, you know, x m- multiple of revenues, um, yeah, we just think that's a little bit expensive for this stage. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Um,
1: because it's a fairly crowded market now too, isn't yeah, it? There yeah, there are a lot of companies with these that's these right. platforms, so competition is that having an impact on on pricing and margins?
0: I mean. It's a a whole other topic, but I mean, I suppose it's one of these things where the more options that investors have, the more attraction you're going to get from clients and investors in Australia to be confident to to, to select these options, especially in that fintech space. Um, You know, a lot of the retail millennial market are looking at the sort of finance game now and they're going, Mm. okay, well... You know, I want to jump in. Back in the day, you had a couple of, you know, banks that you could sort of sign up to. Now you've yeah. got all these other options. So I think it's, um, it's a deeper con- uh, discussion, but uh, look, they, they will suffer from uh, alternatives um, with competitive rivalry, obviously. Yeah. Um, but the main thing is just that, it's just that spike they saw in trading volumes. Yep.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right, Tim, what do you think of net worth?
2: Yeah, interesting company. Um, I'd say that for a pure financial, it looks like an insanely high PE. And then when you look at it as a FinTech, you gotta think about, like Conrad said, what, what's its revenue streams? And that is um, fund managers pay to have their fund on the, on the platform and they take a clip on the admin fee. There's no actual really tech revenue coming from it. So what does it have? It has basically the Royal Commission side. So this is one of the big winners from that Royal Commission and independence. So you've got Premium, Hub24 and um, Net Wealth. These are the big winners and it's got humongous inflows of farm and that is expected to continue. So um, the platforms are basically at a race to the bottom in terms of cost, all the fees seem to be coming down. And so their competitive advantage is they do seem to have one of the best technological platforms there. They put a lot of capital expenditure in there and that creates a very high barrier to entry. So very good management team, very high margin business and we don't see any end to this new fund flow through in. So we, I mean, a perfect example is you look at AMP funds are just flying out the door. They've got to go somewhere. Industry yeah. funds are picking up some of those, and then you have got the other three independent winners who are also picking that up.
1: Okay, so you see net wealth as a buy?
2: Uh, we've got as a whole, We think the share price has got a little bit ahead of itself. Obviously, right. seeing a little bit of a mini retracement, but um, it's a buy and weakness. It's a hold. It's pretty tough to buy it now. But then when you've got a growth rate of circa 20%, you know, around about that, that does justify that PE, in our know, opinion, yeah. if they can keep this up.
1: Yeah, and of the three, is this a preferred one?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think in terms of the, the techno- technology, it's the best one from what right. we see. Okay, all
1: right. Thank you for that, Nathan. That's a, a good discussion from Comrade and Tim there on net wealth. Uh, Tim, Maddie wants a view on United Malt Group, the uh, fourth largest commercial maltster in the world. Uh, Produces ingredients for brewing and and distilling, so craft brewing, that sort of stuff. Uh, 13 processing plants in Canada, US, Australia, and the UK. What do you think of uh, United Malt Group?
2: Um, look, simply put, it's a cyclical primary producer that's aligned to the hospitality industry. So spin-off from GrainCorp. I must say that was very interesting timing from GrainCorp when they did that spin off. I sort of shook my head and think, thanks a lot for that. But <laughs> yeah, it, look, it's, it's reported, it's come out and it said, look, Canada, the US and um, the UK has been smashed by COVID. People aren't going to pubs and clubs as much. And that's completely understandable. The second big um, hit they've taken is obviously the strong Australian dollar that has just been smashed. Um, it's interesting, um, people who are locked out of pubs and clubs, they must be drinking something. I, I doubt it's water, it must be <laughs> vodka or something. But essentially, it's just beer. It's just people just need to get back into clubs and pubs and buy beer. For us, it's actually, this is probably it. This is probably very, very close to the bottom. It's gonna see strength from the COVID vaccine rollout and as things reopen. So as in as terms of a cyclical stock, this is probably the buy point. So we say this is maximum pain. This is not a passive investment. You've got to keep your eye on the ball. Uh, yep. but buy now and, and sell when it's high. So you know, it's a it's a it's a volatile revenue stream, but it's a quality business in terms of okay. that. Okay. All right. A buy from Tim. Conn, yep. what do you think of United Mall?
0: Uh, we agree. We agree. So yeah, um, it's it's very much playing on that reopening thematic, um, and that recovery play. Seasonal in nature. Usually they do better in the second half of the um, the, the year anyway. So Hopefully it aligns with uh, the continued rollout of these vaccines and people going to these pubs and bars more. Um, they've also accelerated their efficiency initiatives, um, which is always a good thing. So they're optimizing things, technology, organizational, and sort of plant optimization is their key focuses, and that's something that we like, um, which will benefit them as they reopen or we see that recovery come out. Um, they are at all-time lows. They had a large miss and expectations um, on the margins and sort of just the general declines in malt volumes as as was expected, um, and so you know again, it's it's um, it's it's a highly international business. So uh, what do they have? So they've got malting houses in Canada, U.S., Australia, and the U.K. Um, so naturally, it's it's going to be highly correlated with that, just global right. recovery. So um, yeah, we 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 have an accumulate on It's pretty weak uh, in terms of the the price where it is now. So um, you know, buy now, sell later. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, which is interesting because everybody sort of looks at the travel companies for reopening thematics Mm. and stuff like that, Mm. here's one that's probably running under the radar of a lot of investors. just don't understand the implications. Yeah,
0: that's right. And um, I, I think one of the one of the concerns is is that it is quite seasonal, and hopefully that doesn't impact it. But like I said, you know, we usually see um, stronger figures uh, in the second half of the year with them anyway. So right. this is not not even their, their strong years, okay. um, strong part of the year. So
1: all right. Yeah. So uh, a yes from both Conrad and Tim on Un- on the United Malt. Um, let's just recap the first five stocks and the stock of the day. Um, Ordnate was our stock of the day, and um, uh, Tim has a hold on it. Conrad uh, would buy it if it got down towards that $8 mark, um, but a really good company. Uh, Downer EDI, a yes from Conrad, a hold from Tim. Uh, origin, a no from Conrad. Um, Tim says, Look, it's as low as it's ever got to go. If you've ridden it down, you might as well hold on and see if there's an uptick uh, uptick in the future uh flight center a hold from both of them uh, conrad probably prefers uh Webjet in that space that travel space uh netwell's a hold from tim and no from uh, conrad and united Wells a yes from both of them as uh, we come out it's a reopening play so uh let's um um Also, here on the call, we have our call portfolio. Sort of a a fantasy portfolio, if you like, which we've been tracking since the 1st of July, thanks to our partner, Nabtrade. All the stocks that get a thumbs up from both our expert panelists. Today, United Malt will be going into the calls portfolio. And if it comes up again um, for adjudication from a future uh, panel and doesn't get unanimous, yes, it comes out again. Uh, so let's see how it's performing. Uh, for the week, um, we're basically flat for the month, uh, down one and a half percent since the 1st of July, up about 25%. So it's about eight or 9% uh, better than the, um, than the All Ordinaries Index actually. Um, some of the stocks that have been recently um, included in the call from, uh, in the calls portfolio from our expert panelists, HR on Friday. Quick fee on Friday, Adairs, Family Zone S- Cyber, Safety and Shriro. Some of the stocks removed, South32, Enviro, Suite, MFF Capital Investments. If you wanna take a look at all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Our reporting season coverage continues this afternoon from 1 p.m. We have got, what a lineup we've got. Uh, We'll be chatting to Heath Sharp from Reliance Worldwide, um, and Chief Executive of Edward Law, uh, or Edward Law rather of McGrath. Uh, Ian Davies, the Senex CEO is on the show. Cathy O'Connor from Oob Media is uh, this afternoon as well. All of them uh, talking about their half year reports and results that came out earlier today. So that's from 1 p.m. this afternoon. So if you want to uh, get all the news on these stocks straight from the horse's mouth, the chief executives all come on to AusBiz here. So uh, a busy afternoon ahead. Uh, Let's get into our second half of the call, our next five stocks. And um, Conrad, Sam wants a view on LaVisa, the retailing group. Uh, Revenue down 10%, uh, profit down 12%, online sales through the roof. Um, LaVisa's brand continued during the pandemic. They opened 14 stores in the United States, uh, four in France. Um, Sales have been slow right across um, uh, the globe and they made an acquisition of a wholesaler in Germany. So uh, a retailer with profits and revenues down, but still is a darling of the market. Share price keeps going up.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's because they so, so they beat expectations, right? Yep. So everyone expected figures to be just a lot lower. Yep. Um, and on top of that, um, you know, they're obviously with the e-commerce trend, um, you know, with the COVID impacts coming online. Um, they've seen to take advantage of that quite aggressively. So their online sales are up 355%. And so, uh, 335% in the first half of 2021. Um, So that's obviously good for investors to look at uh, from a management standpoint. They're saying, okay, well, they're adapting. You know, it is one of those unique retail stores that are negatively impacted by COVID due to being such a heavy concentration in the brick and mortar space. Um, We do expect consumer spending to remain elevated. um, But the downside here is that they're going to obviously start experiencing tapering of government stimulus. And, right. and subsidies that, are, that they're obviously doing, you know, wonders for, for, for the business And, the, cash and their, their so. niches
1: sort of low end jewellery, isn't it? Sort yeah, of I, I wish of my girlfriend would time focus time.
0: more on, on these guys instead yeah. of... <laughs> <laughs> <I think you're laughs> right. um, but yeah, um, it's, it's sort of the more low, um, you know, affordable yeah. um, sort of, uh, they're, they're vertically integrated as well. So they do a lot of things. Um, that acquisition you mentioned uh, has been good. So that that was for 10 million euros, 84 stores. Um, again, you know, it's one of these things where it's like, okay, well, they're expanding, but they're expanding heavily in that sort of brick and mortar space. Um, but the good thing is, um, they're beating expectations. Um, they're and, and and they've got that online sort of trend really um, sort of that they're taking advantage of, and so that's what that's what this is all about. So um, you know, moving forward, uh, we'd probably just say it's a hold at this stage. We're not sort right. of too excited about it, um, but um, but it, it you know, it's it's obviously yeah going to potentially just trend um, as we start moving out of this COVID environment too, so. Yeah. All right.
1: Uh, Tim, uh, everybody, markets love the management of this business, don't they? And they love the board. Brett Blundy is sort of one of those sort of retailing gurus that um, has sort of the Midas touch and he's behind this.
2: Yeah, I, I think um, um, Corrad basically covered it. Uh, They've benefit from stimulus spending um, essentially, cheap and nasty jewellery, you, you look at the premier, for example, in tough retail conditions, companies that are in that lower end of the market um, can do quite well. And that being said, when conditions improve, they can continue doing well. I mean, I'd argue, you know, who's been buying jewellery at this time? Is it people just looking in the mirror and having party with their cats at home? But uh, look, if you're gonna play in the retail space, which is very tough, you want one of the strong brands, and, and like you said, it is a darling, um, so it's just well positioned. I think, I think being either on the very cheap end of the market or very high quality brands are the winners. And the yep. middle guys are really struggling at the moment. Mm-hmm. So it was just a bit of luck. Um, I would say if you look at the chart, essentially the market's clearly looking through already forward. Um, it, it, we've got it as a hold as well. Um, but if, this is, if you're gonna play the retail space then, then yes, a, a brand like LaVisa is good. Other than that, it is probably a little bit higher risk than we would like, or right. we would probably avoid this sector. But it's a hold. I must say, sorry, if you have La Visa at home, uh, it's not cheap and nasty. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's very nice. (laughs) Tell (laughs) my girlfriend that,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But
2: also, it's got
1: that... It was explained to me that this wonderful niche where, you know, it's a bit of jewellery. It doesn't cost the earth. It's a bit of a reward for a lot of its customers who work hard or... You know trying to get through a pandemic and um it's it's it just suits that market down to the ground it's, it's sort of like the old um lipstick gauge you yeah. know during tough times everyone <laughs> wants affordable rewards to keep going and make life a bit better we so, need something We need yeah something. yeah exactly <laughs> um tim we're going from uh <laughs> we're going from Pimping your jewelry to pimping your four wheel drive now. (laughs) Uh, Mario wants a a view on ARB Corporation, uh, Australia's largest manufacturer and distributor of uh, four by four accessories, everything from bull bars to canopies. If you want to pimp your four wheel drive, you go to ARB. Uh, Started in, I didn't realize this, started in 1975 by Anthony Ronald Brown. And that's his initials are the name of the company. Um, now they export to over 100, 100 countries and uh, share price has gone
2: through the roof in the last 12 months. Tim, what do you think of ARB? Yeah, that's one of the most interesting things. Obviously, we've never lived through a pandemic before, but the consumer spending habits has been so interesting to us. Um, yep. You look at the chart, absolutely shot through the roof. If you, if you already held this, then congratulations, you've done very well. Um, essentially like you said it's like 80 countries they're selling um, manufacturing and selling um, parts Um, they've got a lot of good things going for them so essentially you've got a a mining boom um, you know you've got the cashed up bogans um, or or, you know instead of you know doing whatever going overseas they're they're putting fancy bull bars and and sparkly new roof racks on their car so um, we've seen this the the car market just explode like there's a guy at our office who basically trades cars. He buys cars that are undervalued and, and sells them on and has been making a packet. So it's been amazing. And when you also have housing prices being strong, which is obviously very linked to, to car sales as well. Yep. There's been a lot of good stuff going on here. Um, the Toyota Harlux was one of the strongest sellers, I think in Australia. Um, I would say at the end of the day, the bottom line is in a post COVID world, when you can go to Bali and overseas instead of spending at home, does this trajectory continue on? And we think probably at some point there's going to be irritation out, you know, it, right. it has been so strong, but it can't keep this up. Um, we say, look, take your money and run at a 35 times PE, it does look very, very fully valued. I mean, ARB kind of always looks fully valued, yeah. but for us, um, make sure you keep some money aside for the tax man, but you enjoy your gains, yeah. we've got to sell on it. Okay. All right. Comrade?
0: Um, Very much agree. Um, Very much agree. So they've had, I mean, in in the short term, um, they've taken advantage (laughs) of the fact that domestic travel's increased. Uh, Obviously, that's done wonders for them. Um, If you take a look at their actual sort of end sort of figures, um, they're sort of at the top end of the guidance. um, You know, growth um, in in income uh, outpacing the sort of uh, sales growth which is always good so NPAT up 113.5% revenues up 21.6% uh, compared to the um, uh, the PCP um, and so yeah it just really comes down to that rotation uh, whether they're going to keep this up I, I don't think management expect that either so they've got dividend payout ratios reduced uh, to 43% well below their historical payout ratio of 53 to 58% um, and that's over the last 5 years and the concern for us is that they just don't have any plans I mean well, they might, but they're not telling us. So there's a very, no. it's, it's a lot of lack of transparency here. So the only disclosure um, that we could see given um, is a, a quote-unquote exciting uh, long-term development projects um, that will provide growth opportunities. And so that's probably, that's probably <laughs> just a fancy way of saying, you know, we're just gonna ride this till it, till it dies out and then we'll see how that goes. But that normalization is gonna quickly take effect. Yeah. Um, as we see international travel uh, open up, but it's you know the the question is when that's going to happen. So do they have more of this upside moving forward? Yeah, maybe. So so you uh,
1: would pro- take profits on yeah, them. I mean, well. it's a,
0: it's 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 a hold and, and lighten kind of for us at this right. stage, really. I mean, you know, the, the short term outlook is still pretty good. Um, we don't expect international borders to open up anytime soon. So yeah. you could continue riding it, but it just depends on what the investors uh, expect moving forward. And and I think um, I think Tim makes a good yeah. point. If you've been in this stock you know, sort of wow. as it happened, you know, you've done very well. So, you know, relative, you could probably yeah. look to dump it out then, I suppose. Yeah. Sort
1: of bubbled along for years at around that, that yeah. $20 mark and has shot the lights out. All right. Uh, there you go, Mario. That's the view uh, from both Tim and Conrad on ARB. Um, Conrad, Luke wants a view on A2 Milk, whose share price hasn't gone in the same direction as ARB over the last 12 months. It's uh had um, fairly big decreases. It's of course in, in milk and dairy and baby formula into China has been hit massively because of the, the China trade war that's been going on, uh, the decrease in Chinese tourism and international students who used to buy up all the milk formula and yeah. ship it back home. and. Uh, make some money on the side. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of A two?
0: Yeah, actually, it's a funny point. Uh, I went grocery shopping for the first time in a while um, on the weekend, and um, yeah, it's all there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which is just There's no, you know, shortage yeah, no shortage of it. <laughs> so, yeah, no shortage of it. So, the, the top down risks um, is is geopolitical in nature. You've got yep. the China and Australian tensions, um, you know, continuing. They've they've been sort of happening over the last few months. The secondary risk. Um, um, is that so the Daigou the uh, trade route? To China has been so quietly deteriorating. So, um, mainly logistic challenges. Examples are uh, uh, you know limited freighting services, surging shipping costs, uh, extended customs clearance times. Yep. Um, but sort of
1: da- Daigous to give people hear the term don't know what they are. They're sort of concierge buyers, aren't they, yeah. for Chinese consumers? Yeah. You, instead of going to shops, you go. Okay, I want a two imprint formula. Mm. Can you go and buy it for me somewhere? deliver yeah, it to home.
0: That's right, and it's heavily reliant on the tourism industry. Yes. So, um, with you know the investment in tourism not really happening right now, um, and less international students yeah. um, we're going to see we're going to see that suffer and continue to deteriorate um, they've also had a strengthening New Zealand dollar relative to the USD which is not good for their re- revenue so that's another headwind um, they've come out and downgraded FY 21 and second half uh, 21 guidance um, this comes after uh, the downgrading of the first uh, half year um, and so you know it's not just investors it's actually management as well so you're seeing a breadth uh, and the, the breadth and value of insider selling uh, recently as a percentage of overall shareholding sold no. um, increase. And so, um, you know, they know, we know it's not doing well. Yeah.
1: Okay. So I know from you. Yeah. Uh, Tim, what about you? And you look at that chart, it's sort of bouncing along that
2: level of sort of three years ago, is it? That resistance level. Well, first of all, I'd like to say concierge is a very polite way to put it. I would almost put drug mule. Drug <laughs> mule <laughs> right, instead of drug, right. it's, it's milk. So. Fair, Fair, enough. Enough. Um, Fair enough. But look, uh, it's interesting. When, when A2 first hit the, the scene, it was very sexy. You know, The A2 yep. protein. Um, for people in the know, they know that most milk has A2 protein. It's the absence of the A1 protein that makes it special. Nowadays, you, you fast forward to today, that's not unique at all. They're all doing mm. it now. So that, that IP and that age is now gone. So the two obvious factors is obviously distribution, um, which is the Daegu Channel as discussed, and the risk of China um, tariffs. But beyond that, I I'll I will cite the Blackmore's case where they also halved and they haven't recovered. And I think there's a lot more going on in the background in that the Chinese um, had this big milk scandal back in the day that really made foreign brands um, more appealing. Well, that seems to be slacking off. The, the strong, expensive Chinese brands now seem to be more popular, and they are also dealing with the A2 moniker. So, I think the, the also the the headwinds in terms of international students now being diverted to uh, the UK and Canada instead of Australia. That's more of, of another concerning issue that's going to affect them. For us, um, it could not. You know, looking at the chart, if you put no thought into it, it would look like a buy. But for us, it's actually a sell. We think it actually does look pretty fully valued at this point in time. It's not cheap at all. And there's a lot of headwinds coming on. So yeah. for us, avoid this space altogether. Because if China does put tariffs on it, that's very scary. But there's all this regulatory risk that could also put on it. So yeah. at the end of the day, just buy lactose-free milk. I mean, the A2 stuff <laughs> is really BS. Yeah. So.
1: But, but it is, it just looks ugly there at the moment. And it's halved in price in six months. So it's mm. ridiculous. All right. Um, Tim Tim Faye wants a view on Thorny Technologies. Now, uh, you describe this as basically a listed investment company, wouldn't you? That invests in the technology space. It did a big raising um, towards the end of last year, and they're going to uh, focus on investing in in pre-IPO, pre-listed technology companies. And and back then, they got a uh, uh, an investor from overseas to to put in. Basically, twenty-five odd million dollars um, to boost its armory. What do you think of uh, Thorny as a way of getting into that tech space?
2: Uh, look, it's it's not something we would usually touch. Very small. Um, I think it's about about one hundred and fifty million farm sort of yep. thing. ICR of 0.75 with a up to twenty percent performance fee. Trading at about a seven and a half percent discount to its net tangible assets. Essentially, it's it's very high risk. So investing in pre-IPO tech. Is very sexy and certainly it would be very appealing to a lot of clients. Having a look at what they were doing, they they were early investors in AltPay, which is really good, but they were also early investors in Blast, which was not so good. So um, for us, when I look at the chart, it looks like they've just been doing nothing, 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 nothing. Covid hit, and then there was a tech rally, and they've just sort of somewhat lucked into it. So look, it's a hold. It's it's if right. you wanted a tech play, then it's fine. That's what you've got. It it is it is doing that. It is risky. Uh, I think I think it's one of the ones. You just got to be aware of what you're in. But if that's what you want, then that's perfect for you.
0: Okay, Conrad? Um Yeah. So it's a lighten from us. Um, so this Thorny Technologies, uh, which is the Australian-based investment company, is managed by Thorny Investment Group. So they're the uh, and they're a fairly successful Australian family office. Um, um, so they they manage the the pre. Prat-
1: Investment Empire, don't
0: they? Yeah. Um, well, so so the whole thing was founded by Alex Waislitz, um yeah. in '91, and um, so you know, so he's he's the current he's the current vice president of Collingwood. Yep. Um, so hopefully, there's no. I are mean, you going to stay objective there? Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I know. I know um, Alex and what they've done in the past. Yeah. <laughs> but we we are staying objective in the sense that I think you take a look at their underlying investments, what they're actually doing. So, like Tim mentioned, it's in that pre-IPO, IPO space. Um, it's heavily involved in tech, right? And so tech at the moment, we're concerned about the overvaluation um, of that area. Um, and, you know, the major holdings are Afterpay, Zip, Miso Blast, as I mentioned, and also those, those IPO companies that are coming, um, hopefully online towards uh, this, the end of this year. Um, and so, you know, for us, it's like, okay, well, what are the alternative ways that you can get exposed to tech yeah. um, or technology specifically? Uh, and there's other ETFs out there that we like, such as a um, and other niche tech ETFs, it's ESPO, Robo, and yep. it's got more transparency, you know, the, the, it's, it's, it's just they don't have much transparency. Last update of the holdings was in an annual report mm-hmm. um, and um, they didn't really give sort of exact numbers there. So all they do is they, they sort of provide the net tangible assets backing per share once a month. Um, if that's enough for you, fair enough, and you, if you believe the, the management team, which... To, to to be fair to them, um, the management team managed to navigate through COVID very well. So the sell-off yeah. happened in the equity markets and they've made back that and then some uh, in less than a year. So okay. um, they are good at what they do. Uh, it's just a matter of whether you're, you're happy to pay those fees. Okay. To do so, yeah. All
1: right. Our final stock, uh, Conrad, Brad wants a view on people infrastructure. Mm-hmm. They're a big workforce management com, um, contraction or... Uh, put out contracted staff, recruitment, human resources, and um, mainly in that healthcare, is a it? Mm. Health workplace and yeah. sector.
0: Um, so um, the, well, the staffing industry is 29 billion bucks in Australia. So it's, it's definitely huge. Um, it's increased by 14%. Um, the employment data that we're seeing, which is improving Um, is obviously going to do um, sort of good things for the the, the stock. Uh, The first wave of COVID initially created sort of those immediate challenges, um, but they're largely an acquisition play. And so um, you've seen, and it's like this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy where they make good acquisitions in sticky industries like healthcare. um, um, And they sort of use those proceeds, which have provide them with a lot of good cash flow then they make other acquisitions. Okay. So it's a roll up. Um, yeah, it. and, 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 and it's done really well doing doing that. Um, so as a result, it's an accumulate for us. Um, we can expect a little bit of turbulence and volatility in the short term um, as the sort of recruitment industry mm-hmm. restores. But, um, you know, hopefully, okay. yeah, hopefully. You it's like um, it. Yeah, we like All it. All right, yeah. Tim,
1: what about
2: you? Um, yeah, I agree, look, it, it, it's a very small company and as such that has risk. I would say that the uh, the labour market's employment um, industry, it, it does have a lot of upside from here because uh, it's coming off such a low base. But just looking at the price chart, it looks like you've missed the boat. It's already rallied, it's already come back a lot. Uh, I'd say, you know, the balance sheet looks fine, uh, um, It's um, price to book looks a little bit expensive at a P at a 23, that's looking pretty pricey, so for us it's probably a hold, um, but just you got to remember with a company like this, it's not the return you're looking for. It's the risk adjusted return. So it has to really, yeah. really shine to have a place in your portfolio. Um, okay. uh, all this small cap stuff. I mean, it looks like, especially in this space, there's probably more exciting places to be right now.
1: Okay. All right. Let's just recap our final five stocks. LaVisa are a hold from both uh, Conrad and Tim. ARB, take your profits. You've had a wonderful run up. Uh, A2 Milk, a no um thorny tech um small uh tim says if you're in a probably a hole conrad uh would prefer an etf a tech or robo um, etfs and people infrastructure a yes from uh conrad and no from tim uh conrad song from macro good to see you mate thank thanks. you for coming in thanks for having me uh tim haslam from god's own country adelaide with catapult wealth mate good to see good. you see you soon Thanks for having us, guys. All right. Now, if uh, you have a stock that you want us to take a look at, put to our expert panel. Just flick us an email, thecall at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at Osbiz TV handle. For all the stocks in the Calls portfolio, you can have a look at them at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Are you looking for your next investment? Startup Daily Show brings you the very latest from the startup and scale-up venture capital type sector. Uh, the team are got to be uh, joined by the Chief Executive of Button, uh, Rail Ross, as he completes a pre-IPO funding round and uh, he will explain all about it from 2 p.m. on the Startup Daily Show this afternoon. So a lot happening, we've got so many Chief Executives coming up. Uh, as we analyze their results because it is the end of the earnings season you'll see them all here on ausbiz so all of that and a whole lot more coming up don't go away